Good morning, good morning to all of you, and happy Mother's Day, moms. We'll uh, recognize you in a little bit. It's great to have you all here. So the weatherman, you know, you, you always know, the weatherman is right. So Friday, rain, right? All day. Nope. Uh, Saturday, rain, all day. Nope. Today, I think it was supposed to be rain, but now I think they've taken it down to 25%. Somebody is really taking the chance on it, because I noticed that somebody's got a convertible at the top down out there. <laughs> Okay, whatever. I think that's Rick and Sue. But anyway, uh, you do whatever you want. It's your car, not mine. So, But welcome guests. If you're visiting for the first time, you'd stop by the Welcome Center. We would love to uh, give you a gift and welcome you officially. If you're visiting online for the first time, you know, scan that uh, QR code and let us know that you're out there. And uh, we'll just it, it just helps us to rejoice in knowing that somebody out there is paying attention. So that's exciting. We, we appreciate it. Uh, overflow for this Sunday is uh, F through J, second Sunday of the month. If you're not, you know, we, we, don't, we're not, um, we don't have any alphabet police, all right? So if your last name starts F through J someplace in there, and you're like, I'm in the wrong place, it's all right, you're fine. Uh, but we're just well, always uh, have, happy to have you. Uh, teen camp campaign, here's the way it works. So figure out how old you are. If you don't remember how old you are, ask somebody around you. And uh, then you take an envelope, you put your age in dollars in the envelope, drop in the offering marked for the teens, and that, then we use that. Like yesterday, we had about 20 teenagers that worked and worked. I tell you, I'm so proud of those teenagers. You saw all the mulch that was spread, spread around and the flower beds. looks nice. We have a, a um, what kind of tree is it? An ash tree that got that ash borer in it, and it died. That thing's bigger around than this pulpit. And uh, so we got it cut down, chopped up. If you see wood smoldering out back, that's still the ash tree. It'll be smoldering for about uh, six, six months probably because it's hard wood. And we'll just keep adding to it as the time goes on. But it's all cut up and laying around it. We got two other brush piles burned down. We got uh, stuff done on the inside. Those kids worked and worked. I'm so proud of the teenagers. They did a great job. That's what we're doing this for. We take that money and we let them earn uh, money for camp. And so it's an exciting time. Uh, caregiver's resource class is this Thursday, 7 o'clock. See Ms. Glenda for details about that. If you are a caregiver or think that you're nearing the age of needing someone uh, to be a caregiver for you, then they can help you out on these, these kinds of things. So it's a great, uh, great opportunity. Graduation Sunday. We'll be recognizing our graduates. I think we have three college graduates and uh, 11 high school graduates uh, coming up on May the 28th. And uh, we'll recognize you then, so it's always a fun time for that. Promotion Sunday then is also May 28th. That's when grades move up uh, from the current grade they are in in Sunday school to the new Sunday school classes. Uh, we do that at the beginning of the summer because our teenagers, that are, our sixth graders that are becoming teenagers, and it's, it will floor you when you recognize who those kids are. There's no way they, could, they can't have gotten that old yet. Yeah, they are. And uh, so they're moving up so that we can take them to camp and get them involved in all the teen stuff, those kinds of things. So it's an exciting time as well. And then we have a revival with Dave Young coming up June the 4th through the 9th. Uh, looking forward to that. Dave Young is one of our favorite speakers around here, and uh, he'll be coming in on that Sunday through Friday. Uh, we're asking you to do a couple things in regard to revival. Uh, maybe three things, actually. One is to attend. Uh, that would be great. Uh, if you are, uh, you know, attending and able to help out with meals, we serve meals during the revival. Uh, every night, Monday through Friday, the reason is twofold. One, that you could um, get off work and not have to worry about how you're going to feed your kids and that kind of stuff and get the revival. So you can just come here and we'll feed you. 
Uh, we usually feed about 200 people every night, so we're used to uh, working that all through. Uh, but um, if you, and the second reason is so you can invite people. Say, hey, if you come to Revival with me, we'll provide your supper. And you can invite people, and it's a great time. It's great food. You'll enjoy it. But um, we could use some help with that. So it says, helpers are needed for revival meals. See Carol Stapert or Mark or Amy Seitz. Uh, and you can sign up at the welcome station uh, for these things. That's people who will help with the meals, the meal prep and getting things. I don't know what all is involved in that, but uh, uh, those ladies, those are these people, Mark and Amy and Carol, can help you out. So sign up out there if you're available to help out. Meals start at 6 o'clock on that week. And then uh, also revival prayer meetings are out there. So there's a sign-up here as you go through the, the little breezeway there. Uh, on the left, there are signs for the pr cottage prayer meetings. So we're hosting, uh, several of our church members are hosting prayer meetings for the revival. We're asking God to do some unusual things. We don't want just to punch a clock. Okay, I went to revival, now I can move on to something else. We want God to do something. And so we're asking God to do some unusual things. So uh, there's revival prayer meetings going on, cottage prayer meetings. I am, I am not apologizing for this. I'm asking every one of our you know, if you're visiting, this is not for you, but every one of our church attenders, we want you to sign up for one of those. There's morning ones, there's evening ones. Uh, they're all out there. We've tried different days of the week trying to accommodate everybody's schedule. Uh, but we want God to do something unusual. And part of that unusual thing starts with us, right? Let's be the unusual one and go to a college prayer meeting and see what God's going to do there. So it's just literally that. Just go in, pray together, and then flip out, your, your host may, may or may not do snacks, I don't know, that's up to them. Uh, but it's not a church service or anything like that. Secondly, then there's a list of people to pray for. So if you have people, and these are pray for and directed at the revival. I'm, I'm planning on trying to get this person to come to church with me, and they need to trust Christ as their Savior. You can put just their first name, please, on one side. Uh, then on the other side, if you say, I'm planning on uh, inviting this person to revival, but they're a Christian, but they've gotten away from the things of God, they just need to get things right, then you can put them on that side. We'll, we'll send that out to the cottage prayer meetings, and we'll ask God to uh, begin to do that work in people's lives. And then our missionaries of the week are the Conrads, and the, I'm, gonna, I'm only going to share one part of this, and you can, uh, uh, Pastor Brett can share something else tonight. Uh, but the Conrads are, it's at the Carpenters Project, so that the Conrads and the Fitzsimmons work together. Uh, and they literally go and work with existing missionaries in places to help uh, build structures uh, and things like that, to help them with the physical aspects of, of uh, the ministry. Uh, it's called the Carpenter's Project for that reason. Of course, it's also because Jesus was a carpenter, right? So they keep that in mind. So uh, church planting in Haiti, Pastor Wilson Young was saved through Rodney Fitzsimmons' ministry while he was in Haiti. Now he's working through uh, the Carpenter's Project. And after eight years of study, graduated from Bible school and seminary. In 2010, he returned to his hometown of St. Michael and planted a new work. His church has grown under his leadership, and the building is packed every Sunday. Shortly after starting the church, he opened a Bible school under the umbrella of Rodney Fitzsimmons' ministry. Since 2016, ten of, the graduate, of his graduates have been called and sent to establish new churches in towns and rural villages outside of St. Michael. Uh, what a blessing it is to see this man's zeal and vision for reaching out into unevangelized areas and for, sake, and for the sake of the, proclaiming the gospel of Christ and discipling believers through the church planting ministry. So that, 
That's what's going on in this ministry. So, in, you know, in the last, what, seven years, they've planted ten churches just in, ha- in Haiti. And uh, that's just an exciting thing to see all of that going on. So let's uh, have the men come forward, and we're going to take up the offering. If you uh, have already dropped it in the boxes in the back or would rather drop it in the boxes in the back, you're welcome to do so. Uh, but uh, we're going to ask God to bless the offering. And um, We don't say much about the offerings around here. I'm of the opinion that if you want God's blessing, give. If you don't, then don't. Because God's not broke, and the church isn't going to go broke if you give or don't give. That's my opinion, right? So you just, God blesses his children for obedience. So uh, that's just a great opportunity for you. But, um, you know, just so you know, that's been the way, that's been our approach to offerings the last 30 years. And you folks do incredible in giving to the ministry. And uh, we just appreciate it so much. Brother Chuck, would you ask God to bless you in the offering, please?
Amen. I'm thankful for Jesus paying it all for me and doing the work for my sin on the cross. He's paid it all. We're going to sing about that this morning and in return we can give him all. So if you're able, please stand and let's sing together. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you paid to Jesus for the cleansing part? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace and Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are you garnished, spotless, like they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? chapter 12, beginning in verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Fear not come unto the mountain that might be touched, and that burn with fire, nor unto blackness, and darkness, and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Sion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. May the Lord prosper his word, whereto he sent it. You may be seated.
She is everything. A woman, a warrior, a wonder, a mother, a grandmother, mentor, auntie, stepmother, or any other way to say mom. She is the calm in stormy seasons. She brings peace, and when she speaks, she says everything. She encourages, captivates, sets us straight when we go astray, and we can never repay her. She is favored and faithful, and facing the future with a smile and an open hand, an open heart, an open home. She is bold, brave, never afraid to tell us what we need to hear. She is near, even when she's miles away. She is present, a gift, a grace, a goodness that cannot be reckoned. She is respected, refined, resilient over time, and time and time again, she proves her beauty is more than skin deep. She is brilliant. She is becoming and believing for the best, even in the face of the worst. She works and she wins, even when the odds are against her. She is strong, steady, ready for anything, and she does everything. All the things that only she can do. She is true, tried. Trusted. She embodies comfort, compassion, joy and gladness are her definition, patience and kindness her disposition. She loves her children like it's nobody's business, but she makes it her business, and we all bear witness that she gives everything she has to everyone she has been given, and it is written that beauty will flee and charm will mislead, but a mother will always be and do and give because she is everything. Well, thank you, moms. Uh, that's just a little piece of what you do for us. We're thankful for all of you. Thank for my mom, my wife, the mother of our children, and... Uh, can't put into words, right, what you've done for us, the love you've shown us, and we appreciate that, and we want to honor you today, and we should honor you every day, but uh, specifically, we'll honor you today, and thank you so much. We'll keep singing, and uh, about um, well, a lot of different things today, but uh, this is our hymn of the month, and uh, we started learning this last week, and so we'll add to it, just two verses to it, uh, so we'll add both verses. You can remain seated as we sing, I am weak, but you are strong. I come with nothing to offer you. In my hands, no gift I bring. All I have, my pride and my selfishness. All I want is you as my king. In my weakness now I come, Lord, be my strength and be my need I seek your help Lord I am weak but you are strong we'll try that second verse in the chorus give me strength dear Lord to obey your word as I take the shield of faith 
sing this morning, Jesus is all the world to me. Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my own. He is my strength from day to day, without Him I would fall. When I am set song this morning. We'll sing together, Calvary Covers It All. Far dearer than all that the world can impart was the message that came to my heart. How that Jesus alone for my sin did atone and Calvary covers it.
we'll have the instruments drop out on the chorus and we'll sing it all together a cappella on that third. How matchless the grace when I look on the face of the Jesus my Christ and my Lord. My redemption complete, I then found at his feet and Calvary come. Just our voices on that chorus. Calvary covers it all. Thy past with its sin and stain, my guilt and despair, Jesus took on him there. And Calvary covers it all. Amen. You may be seated.
That was beautiful. And you saw a beautiful picture of mothering right there, right? It's called multitasking. That's what it's called. <laughs> Take your Bibles and turn to First uh, Timothy, and, and then we'll uh, jump into uh, this in just a little bit. We're going to be kind of all over the place in the Scripture, because it's Mother's Day, and we are going to be uh, more topical than, than anything else, but it's good to have uh, Second Timothy. I said First Timothy, but it's Second Timothy. So tonight, uh, following the service, is an impromptu um, celebration. Jonathan Klingeman uh, graduated from college, and so, say what? That's your brother, it is. I'm glad you remembered that. Woo! And uh, so we're going to be uh, having a celebration. His mom's in Guam, serving the Lord there as a missionary with his dad, and so we're going to do an open house for him tonight. There are other open houses that are scheduled. Please take note of those things as they're out there, and uh, that'll help us out. All right. Also, uh, it is Mother's Day, so let's do a couple things. And moms, I'm sorry to do this to you, but uh, if it's a struggle for you, but all the moms, if you would, please just stand up. We want to know who you are, and we want to honor you. So moms, just stand up if you can, and let's give them a hand. What a joy it is. Lots and lots of moms. Where would we be without you, right? And you may have a seat. There's uh, some gifts out there for moms if you take one. And uh, tonight, if there's anything left, then you can take one for your daughter and your daughter-in-law, whatever, until they're all gone. Uh, but uh, if you take one today, that would be great. And uh, you can do that. Then we'd like to, here at our church, honor special moms. Not that all of you are not special. Uh, but uh, we figure by the time you kind of get to this point... We can ask this one question. We don't ask the actual age, but we're looking for the oldest mom. Uh, so you can raise your hand. You don't have to stand up. Do we have any moms that are over 110 years of age? <laughs> Nobody. Okay. No take Anybody 100? Friday night, uh, we had a mom. We had the ladies' banquet on Friday, and we had uh, Julie Ruley's grandmother turns 99 tomorrow. She was at the banquet yesterday. And so that was exciting, but uh, nobody over 100. Any moms here present that are 90 years age, of age or older? 90 or older, any of those? Now you might have to start outing yourself because I don't know how to get to this point. So 89? Do I hear 88? You got to be willing to admit it. Wesley, why are you looking at your mom like that? <laughs> 87. Any 87? All right, we have 87. Congratulations. 
So this is Zach Sharon's grandmother, in case you don't know that. So congratulations. That's wonderful. Congratulations to you. All right. And then we have uh, the, the most children. All right. So this is where it gets tricky, too, because sometimes it gets to where it starts tying up. That's all right. Uh, so anybody here have 10 or more children? And you laugh, but uh, Dennis Hazelwood's mom, yeah, Jeanette's mom had how many? She had 21, you knew 15 because you're like the baby of the family, right? So knew 15. So you laugh when we say that, but we're not just making these numbers up completely. <laughs> How about nine? Any ladies here have nine children? Now we're getting to where it might start adding up. Eight? Anybody have eight? Seven? None? Really? Okay, six. Okay, the scientists aren't here, so that would take seven. They would have jumped in at seven. But uh, six? No? Wow. Okay, now you know it's getting generational because if, you'd gone, if we were doing this 25 years ago, we'd have had seven ladies standing up right now. You know, it's just the way it is. How about uh, five? Oh, now there it is. Five's the magic number. Hold them up. Let's see who you are. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, so let's give all of them a hand. Congratulations to all of you. And the last one we like to honor is, this is a little tricky. I'll give you a moment to do the adding, all right? So we try to count family members present. Now, notice I said family members, not just children, because like if you were raised in my family, if you married my brother, then you would not just be a daughter-in-law, you would become a daughter. That's just the way, I mean, we didn't, put the in-law stuff on there. And uh, if you, you know, once you're part of the family, you're part of the family. So it's kids, grandkids, spouses, spouse, grandkids, spouses, it, all that kind of stuff. Do the adding, figure out, and they're present here in church today. All right, that's what we want to know. Uh, what mom has the most family members present in church today? Give you a moment to add it up. Anybody have 20 or more family members present? I don't think so, but I'm just throwing it out. 15. Anybody have 15 or more family members present? 10. Anybody have 10 or more family members present? Miss Brenda, how many do you have? 12. Anybody have more than 12? Congratulations to Miss Brenda. That's wonderful. Give her a hand. That doesn't mean that any of the rest of you are any less important or whatever. It's just one of the things that we've always done. We used to. Honestly, when I first became the pastor 32 years ago, it was the, uh, the habit of the church, I guess, to recognize the youngest mother. But we started figuring that maybe we weren't trying to encourage that one so much. So <laughs> we just kind of backed away from the youngest mother. Um, my mom got married to my dad when she was 14. And they did not have to get married. My dad was 21. 22. My dad was 22. They didn't have to get married. They didn't have any kids for a year and a half. So, but when she was 16, she had her first kid. Uh, but she was, had already been married for a year and a half. So anyway, just it was the time. It's just the way it was. Don't panic, teenagers. I'm not giving you permission to run out and get married. But anyway, so uh, just thought I'd mention that. So this has just been one of those comedy of errors days. Uh, we're down to one air conditioner in this room. Don't know why. It's just the way it is. So if you're feeling cold, it's because that's the side that's blowing. And if you're, not, if you're feeling hot, it's because that's the side that's not. And I don't know what to tell you, all right? So the, see, they're up there. They blow down on this side. They're up there. They blow down on this side. I don't know which side's cold and hot, whatever. Uh, but that's where we are. 
Uh, we were having trouble over on the other side, so we brought everybody over to on this side because we couldn't get the sound to work right over there. It's just the nature of the beast from time to time. Every you know, all the best laid plans of mice and men. I don't know why. Uh, water pressure evaporated, so I had people coming up. Can't flush the toilet. I, I'm not a magician. I'm not a plumber. Good luck. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, so water pressure evaporated. I don't know if it's back or not. Probably it recovers after a while. I don't know if you're aware, but we run the church on a well. We don't have city water here, so uh, it does weird things, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. But anyway, uh, so all those things are happening, but you're here. We're glad to have you all. I love having, I love having everybody in the same room like this. I know it's crowded and it's anti-COVID and all that kind of I love it. And uh, so get over it. All right, so I'm going to share this with you. I'm, I'm really running short on time. I'm aware of the time. I, I promise we'll get through all this. But I had to share this with you. Pastor Andrew mentioned it to me earlier that it popped up on my, on my uh, computer this week, and I wanted to share it with you. The Surgeon General this week released an 81-page report showing that half of U.S. adults say they've experienced loneliness. Okay, well, whatever. We've all experienced loneliness, right? That number seems low. Who hasn't felt lonely? But just 39% answered that they felt very connected to other people says um, he took action when research tied mental, serious mental and physical health risks to social disconnection. According to the report, loneliness leads to higher instances of disease, dementia, stroke, depression, and anxiety. The damage to life expectancy is as deadly as smoking up to 15 cigarettes every day. Wow, that's a big deal. All of this adds up to higher health costs, loss of work productivity, and declining community cohesion. Literally now, they are calling this the loneliness epidemic. It's epidemic proportions. Now listen, you'll figure out why in just a little bit. So every governmental, I love this. Now this is like, this is hard to believe. This, the Surgeon General might be actually looking for a job after this because he says this. Or she, is it he or she? I don't even know. Every governmental policy bears unintended consequences. Yikes, that's going to get him fired. Unsurprisingly, this, listen to this, unsurprisingly, the strict COVID-19 lockdowns forced upon much of the country helped stoke this new epidemic. But those restrictions hardly deserve all of the blame. Over the past two decades, individual social participation with friends and family has fallen along with larger scale community involvement. Fewer people are married and couples are having fewer children. Outside of relatives, Ameri Americans are far less likely to join community organizations or show up for religious services. Just 20% attend faith, com faith communities on a weekly basis. Wow. We have a loneliness epidemic that is causing physical and mental problems in America. So I just bring it up. It has nothing to do with the message. I just thought it was worth sharing with you. You know, we, uh, we say to you, get your kids off the phone. And now you know why, right? You're killing them. But I love my kids and I want them, I don't want them to feel weird not having a phone. Okay, you want them to die when they're 62. I don't know what makes the, the better difference, right? You want them to stroke out, or you want them to have dementia when they're 58, not being able to figure out who everybody is? I don't know what the answer is. But 
you know, when the Surgeon General starts recognizing the dangers, maybe, just maybe, we should say, hmm, because they're not really known for standing up for faith communities, right? They're just really not. But yet he's saying, you know what, this would really help you if you got your kids involved in church and off the phones. It would help. Hey, I'm just throwing it out there. You can do with it whatever you want. Uh, but I'm just throwing it out there. All right. Ah, Got to hurry because I get you home for Mother's Day. A couple things about mothers and then we're going to, if I were to title a message, and I don't title my messages very often, but the power of a mom. Uh, here it is. Um, we'll give you the message in a moment, but some things to share. Life doesn't come with a manual. It comes with a mother. I like that. That is good, right? You don't have to read a book to find out what to do. Just ask your mom. She'll tell you what you're supposed to do. Uh, this little poem here, it, I, I'm going to read it to you because I feel like it just describes my mom to a T and probably most of your moms. My mom kept a garden, a garden of the heart. She planted all the good things that gave my life its start. She turned me to the sunshine and encouraged me to dream, fostering and nurturing the seeds of self-esteem. And when the winds and rain come, she protected me enough, but not too much, because she knew I'd need to stand up strong and tough, or grow up strong and tough. Her constant good example always taught me right from wrong, markers for, the, for my pathway that will, that will last a lifetime long. I am my mother's garden. I am her legacy. And I hope today she feels the love reflected back from me. So, uh, wow. I am my mother's garden. So you can blame my mom for all the stuff that's up here before you now. I don't know what to tell you, you know. But uh, I, you know, um, I love Mother's Day because I love my moms. Notice I said moms. The moms in my life have been great. My own mother that birthed me, what a joy she has been to my heart, and uh, she's with the Lord today, and if she can hear me, Mama love you, and if she can't hear me, I love her anyway, right? Um, you know, Mel's mom stepped in, uh, my mom's been gone for years now, Mel's mom stepped in, she's now with the Lord, and, and what a great uh, mother-in-law that uh, she was to me. Um, Melody is mother to my kids, and incredible uh, job that she's done, and and the proof of that is my kids, right? Just look at them. They're not perfect, uh, but um, they're great kids, and God's been good to us. Uh, uh, there's two moms that uh, I met but don't really know that well, but I love them greatly because they gave me my kids. My kids are adopted, and so uh, we were able to meet both the, their birth moms, and uh, what a joy to have them as a part of my life because they literally... Um, made us parents, and uh, what a, you know, it's just been a joy, so uh, exciting, exciting times there. And then there's many of you ladies out here, I know, I'm aware, that when I say this now, at my age, you know, when I was 30 years ago when I was saying this, it made sense. I know you look at me now and think, Pastor, don't you realize how old you are? I, I'm 62, and there are women sitting here who mother me. Some of them are younger than me, but they mother me, you know, and I thank the Lord for it. I really do. You don't know how much... Uh, I, I just appreciate it. Uh, God's been good to your pastor in, in bringing people into his life, and, um, and moms in particular. So what a joy it is. So we're going to be looking at the power of moms and how, we can, how you ladies can become uh, just a, an even greater, uh, greater, more powerful influence uh, over your kids. And we're starting in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, then we'll read the verse, then we'll pray. 
Paul is talking, he's writing to Timothy, and he says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, Timothy, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and then persuaded that in thee also. Father, may we consider uh, the wonderful gift that you gave to us when you gave us moms. And may our moms be encouraged and uplifted today. Uh, may they be encouraged to utilize the, the power and the strength that you've given them to have the greatest impact on the next generations. And Father, we'll thank and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, uh, it's likely that most people won't remember mom. I'm sorry about to say this, but most people won't remember you 150 years from now, even within your family. Uh, you know, it's very, uh, very likely that most of you can't tell me the names of your great-great-grandmothers right now off the top of your head. Well, I've got it written down, Pastor, someplace. I know. I'm aware. We all do, right? But to say, oh, yeah, because it, it's just the reality of it. It is. It's the reality of how life goes. But the, the other reality is that the greatest impact on, on the future is not building a building, right? I mean, how many times have we seen a building built, somebody's name emblazoned on the side, and now the name is unrecognizable, nobody knows who it is, or the building is completely gone. But the impact of mom lasts from generation to generation to generation, and we see that mapped out here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, where Paul is writing to Timothy and says, it, and it started first with your grandmother and then your mother, and because of who your grandmother was and who your mother was, Timothy, now I'm seeing the faith of Jesus Christ in you. And this becomes huge, the power of mom, to be able to pass on to her children a, a strong faith in Jesus Christ. And in this particular instance, it's talking about a saving faith. They're the ones that brought Timothy to the gospel. They're the ones that helped Timothy become the, the preacher that he is going to become. God placed these moms in, and grandmas into his life so that God could use them to impact generations. Um, you know, it, it is a, an amazing thing as we uh, look at all of this, but God, God takes what we have available to us, right? So he takes... Uh, these moms, and, and though the, they may not be, you know, they may not be uh, Bible scholars, and but God uses them to raise up a generation. And we have, I've, I've been here long enough now. This is the joy of staying in one place for a while. Because I've been your pastor 32 years come June 5th. 32 years I've been your pastor. And some of the people in the youth group have parents who were in the youth group and I'm probably getting to the place now if I stop that they might have grandparents that are in the youth group, you know, because I've been here 32 years. And to watch the faith of Jesus Christ being passed down to the next generation. And if we do our jobs well, do you remember that passage in, in the book of Psalms where he says, our children are like arrows, I'm paraphrasing, our children are like arrows. We start, you know, we, we get to this place in our spiritual walk, and then as good parents, we take our children way beyond where we are. Our children are like arrows. And a righteous man will propel his children beyond where we can take them. Uh, what a joy it is to watch that being played out, literally to watch it being played out in generations here in our church. Uh, that's an exciting time. So we have this power. This power of mom in this particular case comes up through testimony and comes up through training, comes up through the teaching of God's truth, 
That's what Lois and Eunice did for Timothy, and you're seeing that passed down generation to generation to generation. How exciting is that? The most powerful people on the planet are moms. You know, um, I can't remember who it was. Somebody will tell me as soon as this service is over. But, you know, one of the famous sayings about moms is the hand that rocks the cradle controls the nation, right? Moms control the destiny. Of, the moms sitting here that are in our church, you control the future of this church. It, it will be partially controlled by the teaching and the preaching that you hear from your pastoral staff and from the Sunday school and from the Awana. And that. It will be, but I'm telling you, the greatest impact is going to be mom. That's going to be it. And that's a huge thing. Uh, in Judges chapter 5, uh, this, in, and I don't, you don't have turned all these things, but in Judges chapter 5, Deborah is mentioned. And Deborah is unusual because Deborah kind of breaks the mold in our fundamental Baptist circles, right? Deborah is not known for mothering. She's known for leading an army. So she does, in the name of Christ, by the way, in the name of God, she leads an army. But listen to what it says. Deborah is writing, she says, Until that I, Deborah, arose, and I arose a mother in Israel. That was her title that she, gave, she gives to herself, right? I arose a mother in Israel. Now, what, you know, you understand, you remember the story, perhaps, she goes to Barak and says, Hey, God wants us, she's a judge, one of the judges, and God wants us to, uh, to go fight this, and, and uh, Barak says, uh, I'll go if you go. I mean, and she says, she doesn't say this. This is kind of under the current. You coward. <laughs> so what she says is, oh, I'll go, but just because you won't go on your own, because I have to go with you, God's going to give the glory to a woman. And by the way, it's not Deborah, right? It's J.L. that God gives the glory to. Because she's the one that nails Sisera's head. I love that story. <laughs> nails his head to the floor, to the ground. You know, it's like, uh, I love it because we have a JL in our church, and I just I can't wait till she becomes a teenager and she starts to date. And I hope I'm still around. I want to say, come here, let me tell you a story. <laughs> Before you date JL, you need to know this story, right? <laughs> what a great story! But the Bible says she arose a mother in Israel, and so she takes this this power of mothering and. Through her obedience and her courage, she impacts a generation of people. That's what makes a powerful mom. It is that willingness to teach and instruct that we saw earlier, that willingness to show forth that testimony. Now here with Deborah, it's that willingness to step out and be courageous and go outside the lines of what is the typical that we think of. And here's Deborah being used by God. Um, in Ruth chapter 1, uh, we see this great mom of Ruth. Now you say, Ruth? I'm not sure that Ruth was a great mom. Well, here's what Ruth was. She was such a powerful, dynamic woman in the life of, of her two daughters-in-law that when her sons died and her husband had died and she's about to move back to Israel, her daughters-in-law say, don't leave us. And she says, I'm going to go. And Ruth, the one daughter-in-law, says, if you're going, I'm going. And that's a, I, I, I'm, and, and literally, you know, um, Naomi's like, wait a minute, Naomi, uh, wait a minute, Ruth, you, sh you shouldn't leave your house, your family, your home, just because, and she gives that great passage, which we always use at weddings, right, whether thou goest, I will go, whether thou lodgest, I will lodge, and Ruth is saying to Naomi, your people shall be my people, your God, my God, and, and literally, Ruth converts to being a Jew at this point, because of the impact 
that Naomi had on her. Uh, that's the power of moms and mothers-in-law. And she shows this, if you read the story, through being compassionate and being accepting and being patient and all of these things, the power of her motherhood just grows and grows and grows. And while she's not technically the mother of Ruth and Orpha, she is, you know, she becomes the mother figure and, and they follow after her example. What an incredible thing. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, this one I struggle always with, but uh, we'll get to it anyway. But this mother not only leads, you know, so we, we saw that, um, you know, their great faith led Timothy to trusting Christ, and we see uh, Deborah, uh, through her great courage, uh, giving people purpose and reason for moving forward and passes that on. And, and we see Ruth uh, giving, giving this, this willingness to follow after, to surrender to surrender their life in a brand new way and just follow after God in ways that they would never have done before had it not been for these moms that God placed in life. And here we see a mom who's about to surrender her child to the service of the Lord in a very unique way. So you remember the story, right? Uh, so we have Hannah who is desperately desiring to have a child. And she's crying at the altar one day and the priest comes up and says, "What's you know, thinking that she's drunken because she's crying so bitterly. He says, I'm not drunk. I'm a woman whose heart is broken. I'm asking God to give me a child. I haven't been able to have a child. And the priest says, God's going to grant you this. And, and she says, God, if you will give me this child, for this child I prayed, it, so if you will give me this child, God, I will give him back to you. He'll be your servant. I, I will surrender him back to you. And the reason I struggle with this one so much is because you've heard me say this before. But, you know, so uh, J.D.'s birth mom in the hospital, J.D.'s little back then, He's about five pounds, seven, seven pounds, five ounces, I mean, and so here's J.D. And the mom, his birth mom, Carrie, says, would you read this passage of Scripture? And she turns to 1 Samuel chapter 1, and she says, for this child I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I ask of him. Go on to the next one that I gave you, would you please? Therefore have I lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. And she hands us J.D., Wow, yeah, here it is. That's what, uh, that's what Hannah did for Samuel. Samuel grows up to be a great prophet of God, right? Greater, because of the power of mom, who literally surrenders her baby to the priest, and leave, Eli is a horrible example, by the way. His own kids have just made a mess of things. God literally kills his own son, Eli's sons, because they're not living for God. They're not doing what's right. But God, then she takes him to Eli and says, raise him up for the Lord, and Samuel becomes a great prophet of God. Because the power of mom, this is what mom has the ability to, to do that not, not anyone else can do. And this comes through prayer, and this comes through character. Moms, you want to have this power over your kids. It's really not about you know, snapping your fingers and, and smacking kids upside the head. Although you have to do that sometimes, I'm aware. But that's not where the power comes from. It really is found in character. It's found in prayer. It's found in being an example of courage. It's found in teaching them the things of God. That power to change a generation, an entire generation, is just phenomenal. Uh, and that's what God does here. But let's not forget, there's another side to this. In 1 Kings chapter 22, 
This is the power of Mal. Listen to what it says, verse 51. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab. Ahab was married to who? Jezebel. Began to reign over Israel and Samaria the 18th year. So this is the son of Ahab and Jezebel. The 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned two years over Israel. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. The power of mom, it's incredible for good and evil. It's incredible. Moms will either step up to the plate and lead a generation to walk closer to God than the previous ones. Lead a generation to have courage and take stands and live for the Lord and, and buy into the faith and, and all that. Moms can do that. But moms also have the power to pull their children away from the things of God. The power of mom is incredible. Moms, we're so thankful for you. We want you to take the power that God has given you and make a difference. Because if ever this world needed to raise up a generation that would change things, it is the generation right now. In America, in the United States of America, we are spiraling downward. And the answer is, of course, the Lord. We know that. And God typically works that right through mom and dad. Mom, it's on you. We need you to take the power God has given you and do something with it. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. Wow, moms, so, we're so blessed to have you. The message is primarily to moms, so let's talk to moms first for just a moment. Moms, doing an evaluation of how you're exercising the power that God has given you, the power to change a generation, Grandmas were brought into this at the beginning, right? It's not just moms, it's grandmas. Uh, the, the power to impact an entire generation rests with you. Are you ready to step up? We need you desperately to be stepping in and doing this job. Many of you all, that I know already are, and thank God for you. I'm asking you to consider. Dads? You know what, we have a role here? Because we need to be helping mom do this job. It's a mom and dad job, it is. And often we put much of it off on the dad, but it's amazing how the scripture points to mom again and again and again and again. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband is honored in the gates because of her. Proverbs chapter 31. Wow. The power of a mom. Dads, let's step up and let's let mom accomplish the things that God's called her to do. Let's not be afraid to let her be a Deborah and have some courage to go outside that box and do what nobody thought would happen there, to impact a generation. It's amazing, the God that we have. Young people, listen up. When I say young people, I'm talking about everybody that has a mom, especially that's still living you know, it's not too late to let mom's power and influence change the direction we're going. Let's respond. What would your mother be saying about what your life is turning into? That's the question. Let's, 
let's respond. Let's let the power of mom begin to impact us now before it's eternally too late. Father, thank you for moms, for the many ladies here who have mothered me over the years, taking care of me. I thank you for them. God, I pray that the power and influence of moms would be evident in this generation coming up. We desperately need for young people to be Timothys and Samuels and follow after the examples, Ruth's, follow after the examples that mom has given. And we will thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing together as you're all on the altar of sacrifice laid. The altar's open to you. If you need to do business with the Lord, you step out and let him have his way, would you? You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed. But you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the Spirit Okay, everyone has an assignment. This is men and women. Everybody has an assignment, right? If, the, if your mama's still living, if she's here, hug her neck on your way out, all right? Let her know you love her. If she's not here today and she's living, give her a call. Hug her neck over the, over the airways and let her know you love her, right? Every one of us whose mom is no longer here knows just how important that is. One day, you'll wish you'd just hug her one more time. It's just the way it is. If there's someone in your life who has become that mom figure to you or a mom figure to you, hug their neck. Don't get past the awkwardness. Give them a hug. Tell them you love them. Say, you know what? That's just weird, Pastor John, because they don't even know that I think of them that way. That's okay. Right? It really is. They'll find out when you hug their neck, and uh, they'll, be, they'll be encouraged by it. So uh, uh, don't miss out on those opportunities. I'm just telling you, one day you'll wish you had. All right? Anything else I'm supposed to be announcing? Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon, give you peace. Love you all, you artist, miss. God bless.